Good morning. So yes, as Marky said, um, first reading that I'll be doing is from Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 11, and then of course I'll hand over to Edwina for the second part of our reading this morning. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers who were meeting together in one place, suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit, as the Holy Spirit, sorry, gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet, we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Amphidia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya and around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and coverts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. As you know, following the um, suggestion that they might all be drunk, Peter steps forward and speaks to the crowd, reminding them of words from the Old Testament which all those many, many Jews would know. And just before the reading that you will see on the screen, Peter says to them, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their heart. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what can we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. 
A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day. The Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. We've been part in this country over the last few days of momentous events that will never again occur like that in our lifetime, I'm sure. We've also been reading this past week of events that changed the history of the world, changed what we know today as church changed our lives, many other people's lives. And it's the record for us of what God has done. One of the things that just occurred to me this morning when I was thinking and praying was the fact that there's a little phrase in the New Testament that says, this was not done in a corner. It was a very public stage of what went on. And when Jesus said, my hour has not yet come, when it did come, it was at one of the great feasts of the Jews, the feast of Passover. And Jesus died and rose from the dead at that time when Jerusalem was absolutely heaving with people who come from all over the then known world. All across the Roman Empire, they would come to Jerusalem for these great feasts. And at the feast of Passover, where Jesus died and rose again, Jerusalem was full of them, come from all over. Nearly two months later, 50 days on the feast of Passover, the same thing happened. The feast of Passover, then the feast of Pentecost, the same thing. That Jerusalem was full of Jews of Jews come to celebrate at Pentecost the giving of the law and harvest and there they were all there it was a very public event now had there been a Jerusalem Chronicle and a team of journalists I'm sure they would have made hay both at Passover and at Pentecost because this was a public event that everybody saw happen and they talked about it, I'm sure. I'm sure there would be people going out and visiting. What did you think? Were you there? And so on. We don't have that. What we do have is this reading that we've had today and all through up to Acts chapter 11. And what I want us to do today is to walk into the story because we have a written record what was it like? What was it like to be there? And I want us to try and get into that and feel what it was like as we look at some of the things that happened and the impact that it was having on the people who were living at that time and in that place. 
at the end of Jesus' ministry, he ascends back to heaven. And before that, he's given instructions about the kingdom of God on and off for 40 days. When they saw him and when they didn't, they had things to reflect on. And then he says to them in his great commission that we read in the Gospels as well, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. A powerful moment. And then Jesus goes back to heaven. And they were told to wait for the gift my father promised. Wait for the Spirit before you do anything else. And they had 10 days to wait. They didn't know that when they started, but that's more or less what it took. And they prayed. I wonder what else they did. Well, the record does tell us that they chose another apostle to replace Judas, but they were praying and perhaps they were talking about it. What's this about the kingdom? What do you remember of what Jesus said? This spirit that's going to come, the Holy Spirit, what's it going to be like when he comes? What will we feel? What will we think? We need to go and witness to Jesus. How do we go about that? And for 10 days, as they prayed, that's what they did. And sometimes there were 120 of them together, all having this fantastic prayer meeting and waiting and come Holy Spirit, not knowing what was going to happen. You never know what's going to happen when you pray that prayer. And suddenly the Spirit came. They were there, and suddenly this enormous hurricane blows through the house. And every single person has a tongue of fire on their heads. Wow. That must have been some experience. Altogether, a hurricane of the Spirit who arrives to empower them for all that Jesus had told them they needed to do. And what happened? Well, they spoke the word of God in other languages. Different languages, and they were speaking what God had done, who he was, what he'd done. They magnified the God who sent his spirit. And it was exciting. But they were speaking other languages. And they, it seems that they burst out of the house into the public arena. And there was everybody, and they were... What's going on? These guys, they're, they're just, hey, they're speaking my language. I've come from here and there and there, all over the Roman Empire. They're speaking my language, and they're talking about God in my language. What's going on? Huh. Drunk again. But it didn't stay like that. Peter who denied Jesus before a little servant girl, stands up to be bold and to proclaim to those who'd been yelling crucify him not that long ago, that he was Lord and Messiah. And the Old Testament had proved it. And this spirit who has come now is what was promised. And they were stunned. And what's more, they felt really guilty. What are we going to do? What can we do? Tell me, quick, tell me what we've got to do. 
And so Peter tells them. And instant church, 3,000 new Christians. Now, what would you feel like if that happened here? Suddenly, 3,000 new Christians haven't got enough chairs. What are we going to do? Well, fortunately, they didn't have a church building either. And no maintenance, no energy bills to pay. And so they prayed in the temple courts. And they prayed in people's homes. And they broke bread. And they met each other's needs first thing in. That's what they were doing. And there was the apostles' teaching. I don't know whether the 120 divided up 3,000 among them to have discipleship groups. Who knows? But there were miracles. There were more Christians every day. And then it all spills out into the public arena because, hey, there's this disabled man who always sat at the gate of the temple. Everybody knew who he was. And suddenly, he's been healed, and he erupts into the temple, walking and speaking and praising God. Wow. Everybody knew. What's going on? And so Peter tells them what's going on and has another message, and there's loads more new Christians. In fact, the, author the Jewish authorities thought it was quite about time that these guys stopped talking about the resurrection, so they put them in prison, get them out of the way. But they refused to stop speaking about Jesus, as was said earlier, that we've got to obey God rather than men. We're going to do that, and we're going to carry on speaking. And they let them go. So they go back to all the other Christians and they tell them all that's gone on and they say, we'd better pray about that then. So they did. And in the middle of their prayer meeting, the Spirit comes again. And they're all filled with Spirit. And so much so, the place shakes. That would be an interesting experience in the middle of a prayer meeting here, would it not? No earthquake zone here in Bristol, in Westbury Park. The earth shakes. They're filled with the Spirit again. Nothing like it had ever happened before. They never knew what the Spirit was going to do next. Great upheaval. Wonderful to be part of it. Would you like to have been part of it? Would you like to have been in that upper room where the Spirit swept through? Where those new Christians were formed? where a lame man is suddenly healed? Would you like to have been part of it? Let's go on. It could be very uncomfortable. It was wonderful, as we read in chapter 4 of Acts, that Barnabas so generously sold his field and gave the money to the apostles. That's wonderful. It was very uncomfortable to be there when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit and didn't survive the experience. Oh, and growth dropped off sharply. What a surprise. It was great to be there when there was a whole new group of leaders appointed, seven of them. Fantastic. And what's more, they were appointed to deal with the needs of the widows. The heart of God, right from Old Testament times, has been for the widows and the orphans. And these were these first new leaders. That's what they were appointed for. 
all the needs met because people shared at Pentecost and now this group of leaders. How fantastic, new group of leaders so the apostles can concentrate on preaching and prayer. Great. It was a bit uncomfortable when one of them also had a preaching gift and to do miraculous deeds and he was stoned to death because he did so in front of the council. Gulp. A new leader, hardly in the job, stoned to death. And from that, a widespread and harsh persecution so that the Jerusalem church was on the run, except for the apostles. That wasn't very comfortable. It just happened like that. They weren't prepared for it in quite the same way. Spiritual conflict is always the mark of church growth and the preaching of God's word. The enemy doesn't like losing people from his kingdom into the kingdom of God. And he will make life as difficult as he possibly can. As Jesus said, but I have overcome. And on the cross, he demonstrated that. However, some more spirit-orchestrated um, bombshells started to arrive. I wonder, as you went through these verses and these chapters, if you picked up on the absolute bombshell of what was going on in the church there. First of all, word got back to Jerusalem that one of these new another one of these new leaders called Philip had gone off to a different place to carry on preaching the gospel. And he had a fantastic time. There were healings. There were people talking about Jesus. There were people coming to faith. There were people being set free. It was absolutely fantastic. So the word got back to Jerusalem. Hey, guys, guess what's happening with Philip? He's having the most amazing time. And he's, all this is happening, and the Spirit is coming up. Where did you say this was happening? In Samaria. Samaria? You've got to be joking. The Samaritans and the Jews don't go together. They haven't for hundreds of years. They've been at loggerheads over a whole set of historical situations. You can't mean that they're becoming Christians. Hey, now, Peter and John, I reckon you need to get down there and sort it out. Make sure what's going on. Make sure that it's what Jesus said. And someone said, but do you remember that Jesus said you were to preach in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria? I reckon Philip's just been doing that. Oh, you're right. Let's go and see. So they go, and they pray for these new Christians, these Samaritan Christians, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they are. And then they go off, and Peter and John preach in Samaritan villages. Really? Peter, did you have that quite right? But it was a healing time between the Jews and the Samaritans coming together. And Philip is sent off by the Spirit to, uh, to meet this Ethiopian guy. He's the finance minister for Candace. And 
Wouldn't you like an evangelistic opportunity like this? God says to Philip, off you go to the desert and you'll see this guy coming along. Chariot coming. Go and join the chariot. So he goes up to the chariot and there's this Ethiopian finance minister and he's reading the book of Isaiah in chapter 53. A bit orchestrated. And he says to Philip, um, is this about the prophet himself or is it about someone else? Would you like an evangelistic opportunity like that? So he tells him about Jesus and the guy's baptized and off he goes back to his queen with some good news. Meanwhile, the Lord was on the case of a Pharisee who'd been looking after the cloaks of those who stoned Stephen and who thought that stoning was a really great idea. That's what you ought to do. And he was organizing the persecution campaign that had arisen as a result. And he was on his way to Damascus to persecute some more Christians and get them off to prison and, well, not kill a few of them along the way. And suddenly, Jesus intervenes. He falls to the ground, great light. And he knows that something is happening. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. Not I was. I am Jesus, risen from the dead, whom you are persecuting. So God sends Ananias. I wonder if Ananias might have been in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. You never know. But Ananias, you need to go and pray for Saul. Saul, would you fancy going to pray for Saul, the persecutor? And off he goes. And he prays for him and he's healed and he's filled with the Spirit and he's baptized. And... He escapes because he gets persecuted in turn. Now you know what it feels like, mate. And off he goes to Jerusalem where he met the believers. Imagine the astonishment when he said, when he turned up in church in Jerusalem, Hi everyone, it's really good to meet you. I've become a Christian. Hello. Is this real? Has he really become a Christian? I'm scared. And hey, Saul, I saw you persecuting Christians. I saw you looking after the cloaks when they stoned Stephen. I saw what you did. I know, I'm really sorry. But I've met Jesus. Let me tell you about it. So, um, Barnabas comes along and he vouches for Saul and takes him to the apostles. But Saul is persecuted again and he, he just has to take off. So they think he'd be better at home in Tarsus. So they sent him back there and it says this wonderful sentence. The church in Judea, Galilee and Samaria had some peace and grew and became stronger. What a relief after all that had gone on. Don't forget to pray for persecutors. You never know what might happen. So is that, is that it then? Has the spirit done with all his mind-blowing leading and the changes? Nope. An even bigger challenge is coming. I hope you got the feel of this as you've been reading this week. 
of what's going on and of what God is putting together. Peter goes off on a, on a mission trip, traveling around, and he gets to a place called Lydda, and there's somebody healed there, there's a lady raised from the dead, and lots more new Christians. And Peter goes to stay for a long time in Joppa at the house of Simon the Tanner. Now, tanning wasn't really a Jewish occupation. Lots of blood, lots of dead, and it really wasn't the place to stay. But there you go, Peter was there, being welcomed in. And God knew his address. And down the road in Caesarea, there was a God-fearing, praying, generous centurion named Cornelius. And God gave him Peter's address. And at the same time, he gave Peter a vision. Now, Peter was probably up on the roof of the house. There might have been an awning. And he had a vision of a sheep being let down, full of animals, which Jews regarded as unclean. And the voice that came said, Peter, get up, kill and eat. This is lunch. And it, no, no, Lord, I, I, I've never done things like that. And Jesus says to him, Peter, what I call clean, don't call unclean. Oh, okay. And then the vision comes back again a second time. And a third time. And he's answering the same things and God is saying, grummies into Peter. Get hold of this, Peter. Don't call unclean what I call clean. There are men at the door. Go with them. And these are the men that had come from Cornelius to collect Peter. Without the vision, Peter wouldn't have gone because these were Gentiles. And if Jews and Samaritans were at loggerheads, Jews and Gentiles don't even think there was a gulf fixed. And Jews regarding Gentiles as dogs. Useless, useless. Nothing like holy people of God amongst the Jews. Gentiles, we don't want anything to do with them. We won't stay in their home. We won't eat their food. That's it, out. Oh, but Peter has arrived in a Gentile home. He's been offered refreshments. And he's been asked to preach. And Cornelius says, I believe that God has sent you. Speak. So he did. And he talked about Jesus and he talked about how God had changed his heart. He said, I believe now that God has no favorites. And he preached. And then suddenly, before he'd finished his sermon, the spirit fell again. I think Mackie would have had quite a shock if it happened to him, that he wasn't allowed to finish his sermon because the spirit had come and fallen on these Gentiles. Well, that rubbed it in. Peter, this is me. I've sent my spirit on these Gentiles. And Peter had taken with him some Christians from Joppa who'd also witnessed it. The church in Jerusalem was a little perturbed. They'd sent Peter off to Samaria, prayed for them to receive the Spirit. 
Okay. But now here's Peter. He's been into a Gentile home. He's eaten there. He's stayed there. He's preached there. The spirits come there and he's baptized these Christians. There's a Gentile church. What are we going to do? Peter, you better explain. So he did. And he put it like this. I'm really sorry, guys. It wasn't my fault, really. It was just I was preaching and the spirit turned up. What was I going to do? Baptize them, I guess. So I did. So they rejoiced that the Gentiles had come to faith. That was just something amazing. The Samaritans was one thing. The Gentiles, that was a serious, serious historical challenge. Meanwhile, under the radar, the Holy Spirit had done something else. When the people were persecuted, some of them got as far as Antioch, north of Jerusalem. And they talked about Jesus. And people became Christians. It was wonderful. No apostles in there at all. These were church members, if you like, who'd gone gossiping the gospel and bringing people to faith. It was fantastic. The only problem was half of them were Jews and half of them were Gentiles. So you have one little group of Samaritan Christians, one little group of Gentile Christians, this was a joint group of Jews and Gentiles. It was unheard of that there should be that sort of rapprochement, but the Spirit had done it. So this time, they decided that they wouldn't send Peter. You never knew what he might do. So they sent Barnabas. And it says of Barnabas that he was a good man. A generous man, full of compassion and faith and the Holy Spirit. And it says of him that he saw the grace of God and was glad. Hooked up Saul that he'd vouched for earlier, grabbed him out of Tarsus, took him back to Antioch, and they were there for two years. And the disciples were first called Christians there. What a magnificent adventure. What an upheaval. What a total change in relationships and historical divisions which have just come together as the Spirit came. What about us? Would you like to have been there for all of it? Or would you just have liked the juicy bits? What about the bits that were difficult? And what about us today? In September 2022, here in Bristol. Would you like to have that sort of adventure with the Spirit? Would you even get involved in upheaval because the Spirit has come? What do you think?
What do you think that he might be saying to us today? What he could be challenging us to do? What could he be saying to us that was both powerful and adventurous, but maybe a tad uncomfortable along the way? Do we want the Holy Spirit to turn up in new and amazing ways? Would we like to be so filled with the Spirit that we just can proclaim that and there'd be loads of new Christians, that people's needs would be met, there would be teaching, there would be extension into people groups? What would we think? Is that something we'd love to have happen in our lifetime? Or would we want to be a tad picky? It would be great if you'd like to do that. Please don't touch that. We don't like discomfort and upheaval. Oh, we're glad to be involved in this part, but please don't ask us to do that. We're all a bit like that, aren't we? We all like to be comfortable. We all like to have that sense of life just moving along quite nicely, thank you. But are we ready for God to empower us and send us to different groups of people? Perhaps people that it didn't occur to us to go to at the moment. What would we think? Would we like to have that happen? Would we like to have God bring to faith in our community people who are not here in church at the moment, but as new Christians, they might come? What would we like? Would we like the Spirit to do that? Would we like to see a sovereign work of God and then be glad about it and join in? Or would we rather say, well, if that's your thing, you could get on with it? And are we prepared for that involvement to be costly, dangerous even, time-consuming, and sometimes misunderstood? There was a guy in the Old Testament who prayed a spirit-filled, dangerous, prophetic prayer. You'll find it in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2. And it says this, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. What would you think about praying that? Renew them in our day. We've heard what you did in the past. We've heard what you did in the book of Acts. We've read it all. That incredible adventure. We've heard of your deeds. We've heard of all that you've done. Renew them in our day. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Renew them in our day. Is that a prayer that individually or as a church we want to pray to fill us and to empower us to witness to Jesus in whatever way he wants that to happen? It would be a great adventure and all the resources of heaven are available to us for just that. Let's pray. Just in the quietness 
I wonder if you'd like to say to God, renew them in our day, in our time, make them known, whatever it costs, however much time it takes, in this place, in this time, please pour out your spirit in a way that you have designed that we've never seen before. Fill us up so that we might be witnesses to you. Is that your prayer, individually and as a church? All the resources of heaven are available to us as we step out in faith. Amen. <clears throat>